As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with your host, Hank Hanegraaff. The Bible Answer Man is the radio ministry of the Christian Research Institute, designed to equip believers to defend their faith and become true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because life and truth matter. Our phone number is 888-7000-CRI. You can find us on the internet at equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, to begin today's broadcast, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. It's always great to be in studio as we answer your questions throughout the United States, Canada, and indeed the world. Our contact information on the web, equip.org, and via the mail, it's Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. Our resource consultants, as always, they're standing by, 888 And the letters CRI. I've been talking about this for some time, but it bears repeating. America's downward spiral is nothing short of breathtaking. You think of the popularization of the pill in the 60s. It had ramifications. Ended up paving the way for the horror of Roe v. Wade in the 70s. And we can think of the implications of that today. 60 million as a number comes to mind. And then acceptance of same-sex sexuality in the 20th century has mutated into legalization of same-sex marriage in the 21st century. Ideas have consequences. And today, the legalization of medical marijuana in many, many different states, has morphed into legalization of recreational marijuana in many other states as well, like Alaska and Colorado and Oregon and Washington. But I think that there are very good reasons to reject the reefer culture. I've talked about them. To put it plainly, when smoking or eating pot... There's simply no objective way to control dosages of the psychoactive chemical that's inherent in marijuana. So by and large, what people do is partake until they achieve a subjective sense of high. The danger, of course, being that feel is hardly real. 
But there is another issue that I want to bring to your attention, and that is the psychological problems which have been well-documented. Problems like diminished cognitive function, memory impairment, psychotic episodes, sleep deprivation. The physical maladies can range from cardiovascular disease to detectable alterations in the structure and chemistry of the brain. And that's not just blowing smoke. The reason I bring that up today is because scientists from the University of Western Australia have identified how using cannabis can actually alter a person's DNA structure, causing mutations which can expose them to serious illness and not only that, but be passed on to their children and future generations. Think about those implications. Stuart Reese and Gary Hulse from UWA's School of Psychiatry and Clinical Sciences completed this extensive analysis of literary and research material. And they found that cancers and illnesses were likely caused by cell mutations resulting from cannabis properties having a chemical interaction with a person's DNA. And although a person may appear to be healthy, maybe even lead a normal life, the unseen damage to their DNA could be passed on to their progeny and in the process cause illnesses for many generations. And think about the fact that even if a mother, as this research shows, has never used cannabis in her life, the mutations passed on by a father's sperm can cause serious and fatal illnesses in their children. And mutations can lie dormant and, as I said, affect generations down the track. It's an alarming consequence. So there are serious implications for fetal development. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. And yet we are legalizing marijuana, not only just for medical use. And there may be some warrant for medical use in controlled environments. But there certainly is no good reason for anyone thinking clearly to suggest that eating pot or smoking pot is like having a glass of wine. It is not. And research is just starting to open Pandora's box. And there are some grisly consequences in that box. And in some sense, we can say, if we don't watch it, America will not just be going to pot, but will have gone to pot. A lot of you hanging on. We'll go right to the phone calls. First up today is David. He's listening in Fresno, California. Hi, David. Hey, how's it going, Hank? Um, I had a question in regards to prayer. What was your thought on believers 
making a, a distinction when they pray, like they would uh, pray specifically to the Holy, the, like to the Holy Trinity or to the Holy Spirit or to God the Father or to Jesus, God's Son, like they would specifically say, like, I worship you, Holy Spirit, and then they would pray to that, and then they would, you know, worship Jesus or worship the Holy Trinity. I was just wondering what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, we worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we can pray to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he taught us a pattern of prayer. But by no means are we limited to praying to the Father. We have to recognize that there are three who's in the Godhead. There are subject-object distinctions. So just as Jesus prayed to the Father, we are called to pray to the Father, but we can most certainly address Jesus Christ and thank him for the way in which he is governing our lives, for sending us the Holy Spirit. We can thank the Holy Spirit for his precious power and presence in our lives. So we can address legitimately, based on Scripture, each person of the Godhead. But again, there's a pattern to prayer, and I follow that pattern to prayer. But I also pray glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit now and forever and to the ages of ages. All right. Thank you, Hank. I appreciate that. You got it. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Jake next. He's listening in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Jake. Hi, Hank. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you to everyone at the CRI team doing such great work for the Lord. It's very much appreciated, and I'm sure it's very blessed. So thank you. My question today is about the letter mentioned in the book of Colossians by Paul to the Laodiceans, and I was wondering if that letter mentioned has ever been uh, discovered, or for that matter, has any extra-biblical letters written by any of the apostles ever been found and read? Well, no, it has not been, but here's the point with that letter. First of all, you have to recognize that not everything that Paul wrote or said was written or said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said many things that we would not consider to be canonical. Now, I'm sure that he was very contrite and very consistent in his writing and his speaking, because his letters demonstrate that kind of contrition and competence. But I don't think that we have to assume that everything that he wrote was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And many people that have thought about this letter to the Laodiceans have thought that this letter most likely, and there's a context for this, is actually a parallel way of talking about a letter to the Ephesians, which of course was Paul's divinest composition under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's neatly divided between doctrine and deeds, the first three chapters on doctrine, the next three on the application of that doctrine. So it may very well be that that letter is the letter to the Ephesians in reality. All right, thank you very much. You got it. If you want further information, I wrote on this subject quite extensively in a book called Has God Spoken? That book available, you can find it on the web at equip.org. Be right back. 
Every Bible Answer Man broadcast, such as the one you're listening to right now, is made possible through the financial support of friends like you. Each month, we depend entirely on God's provision through His people to bring you more of the broadcast, podcast, and other resources you rely on. If you want a sound proclamation and defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to be heard through the outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, become a member of CRI's support team today. Call 888-7000-CRI and stand with CRI daily in the battle for life and truth. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. We'll return shortly with more from Hank Hanegraaff. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. Hank Hanegraaff has dedicated his life to defending truth because truth matters. Yet an encounter with Christians in the underground church of China left Hanegraaff contemplating his Christian experience. They were experiencing something beyond truth. They were experiencing life. Truth Matters, Life Matters More by Hank Hanegraaff is two books in one. Because Truth Matters, part one equips Christians to defend the essential truths of the historic Christian faith. In part two, Hank explains why life matters more and how we can experience the height of human existence, union with God. Prepare to move past intellectually knowing about God to experientially knowing God in Christ. To receive your copy of Truth Matters, Life Matters More, The Unexpected Beauty of an Authentic Christian Life, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. 
The famous British apologist G.K. Chesterton once noted, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Because at CRI we love what is behind us, our faith, our families, and our freedoms, we will never retreat quietly from the growing assaults on life and truth. Even when the costs are great, we will stand. To join like-minded friends in making a difference at home and around the globe, and to equip fellow believers to stand their ground courageously, become a member of CRI's support team. Simply call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. Here again is CRI President Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you, Richard. Randy, back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Crystal next, listening in Kansas City, Kansas. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Hank. I just want to get to clarify what you meant by saying that not all the epistles or all the letters are inspired by the Holy Spirit from uh, the question you answered earlier. Sure, yeah. I was asked a question earlier about an epistle that's talked about in Colossians 4.16. And what the text says is that when that epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So the idea here is that there's an epistle to the Laodiceans, of course, that is not found in the Bible. So the question was, what happens if we find that? And what I said to the caller is that not everything that Paul wrote is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit such that it is canonical. And it may very well be that the letter to the Laodiceans falls in that category, and that's why we do not find it in the Bible. But I also pointed out that it may very well be that this letter, because of the proximity of Ephesus to Laodicea, it may be the same as the letter that we already have in the Bible, which is the letter to the Ephesians, and in that sense, obviously, it is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is, as some have said, the divinest composition of humankind inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay, understood. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for your call. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Tom. He's listening in High Ridge, Missouri. Hi, Tom. Hey, Hank. I think I'm going through the same things your parents went through. How did your parents handle your atheism? Yeah, interesting. I mean, I asked a lot of questions, not only of my parents, but also of the Christian school I went to. And I didn't get satisfactory answers, and that's one of the reasons that in my ministry I've become so focused on apologetics, because apologetics can be pre-evangelism. They can be the handmaiden, as it were, to evangelism, because in answering questions, particularly questions about origins, those answers can become springboards or opportunities to share the goodness and the grace that God gives us through the gospel. So I, quite frankly, walked away from the faith because I didn't think that there were legitimate answers. I was maybe like those who pick up a copy of The God Delusion, read it, and buy into the faulty arguments without realizing that the arguments are faulty. 
Well, over the years, I became more and more resigned to the idea that there is no God. And it wasn't until three people from a church knocked on my door. They had intended to knock on my neighbor's door in 1979, and they started sharing the gospel. I asked them questions. They didn't know how to answer the questions, and so they invited me to go to a creation evolution seminar, and the issue of origins was discussed there. And that birthed in me a new desire to take a second look, because I saw that they were presenting some real solid evidence. I wanted to see if that evidence would hold up under scrutiny. So I began to look at the issue of origins, and that's why I say today how one views their origins ultimately determines how they live their life. And so I, after looking at the evidence, not only did I find out that the evidence pointed to the reality of a creator, very, very clearly, in fact, but also that that creator had condescended to cloak himself in human flesh and demonstrate that he was God through the immutable fact of resurrection. And then the next thing I did has to do with a little bit of what we're talking on the broadcast today, and that is I began looking for evidence that the Bible's divine as opposed to merely human in origin. Now, as to your specific question, how did my parents deal with it? I don't think my parents dealt with it all that well because their focus was not apologetics at that time. And again, this is one of the reasons that I have such a great stress on apologetics, because parents like you dealing with this kind of circumstance need to be able to put quality products into your children's hands or be able to answer the questions that they're asking. Because so often what will happen if you don't have answers, they'll assume, like I did, that there are no answers. So did your parents ever see you coming to know the Lord then? Or they die not knowing. Well, my dad died in 1997, but I came to faith in Christ in 1979. So yes, he knew that I became a believer, and uh, we had great discussions about apologetics, biblical literacy, countering cults and world religions for many years after I became a believer. In many ways, even though I was close to my parents, though I had left the faith, There was a sense of bonding and commonality that happened, which really strengthened our relationship. Again, it was strong before, but really strengthened our relationship as a result of my coming to faith in Christ. Well, I appreciate it. You could uh, keep me and my family your prayers. I appreciate it. Sure. And, you know, I think that one of the beautiful things that you can say to a child is something that everyone can understand is when you look at the universe— you intuitively know that there has to be a universe maker. You know, when you see a basketball, you immediately know that there's a basketball maker. And when you see the universe, you intuitively know someone had to make that universe. The universe is complex, to say the least. And so this is the kind of common sense thing that you can point your children to. And what Paul says in Romans chapter 2 is not only do we have an outward light, but we have an inner light. That inner light lets us know, it's a knowledge written in our DNA, as it were, that there is a God to whom we are accountable. So not only is there an outer light, there's an inner light, but why don't we respond to the inner light? Well, I can tell you in my case... Looking back at it with 2020 hindsight, 
Oftentimes, I think the problem was moral rather than intellectual. In other words, we do not want to live within the parameters that God sets forth for us to live within, so the easy thing to do is to rationalize them out of existence. So we have the light of creation, we have the light of conscience, and if we respond to that, we can have the light of Christ. I've said this before, but it actually bears repeating, particularly in the circumstance that you're dealing with. We should be heartened to know that God dwells in enough illuminated light that if we want to find him, we will, but he also dwells in enough obscurity so that if we do not want to find him, we won't. The one thing for certain is we will have no excuse because God puts us in precise places so that we can find him. And this is precisely what the Apostle Paul makes clear in the book of Acts when he's on Mars Hill. He says, from one man God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the exact times and places that they should live, and he did that so that men might reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. If you think of the implications of atheism, and this is one of the things that really caused me to come to my senses, the implication is that your life is fatalistically determined. You have no free will. You are simply moved along by molecules in motion. You are determined by your brain chemistry and genetics, and that is a woeful idea to consider. The liberating view in Christianity is that what we do really does matter. So we have an opportunity to respond to the God who dwells in light. We also have an opportunity to reject that God. And if we respond to that God, we also have the free will to work towards laying up, as Jesus said, treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So one of the great things that I learned in coming to faith in Christ and abandoning atheism is that I now can work for those things that really matter, not just for mean earthly vanities, but for eternal verities. Now your job as a father is simply to be equipped. And oftentimes it will not be you as a father that ends up talking about these things, although maybe you'll have the opportunity, but I find through life experience that oftentimes God uses other people. So what's the role of a father or a mother then? It is to pray that God brings people and circumstances into the path of your children so that they may come to a true valuation of things. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. And we're out of time. We'll see you next time with more of the Bible Instagram broadcast. You've been listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. To listen to the broadcast on the internet, visit equip.org, where you'll also find a wealth of information and resources to equip you. To talk to a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter.
Bertrand Russell famously said, most people would rather die than think, and many of them do. Not so with CRI support team members. Support team members are not only serious thinkers, but their membership in CRI support team helps to equip hundreds of thousands of fellow believers around the globe each and every month. Are you not a member? Then you're missing out. Not only do support team members form the backbone of Christian Research Institute's outreaches, but they enjoy their selection of resources from our Equipping Essentials Library and receive a complimentary subscription to CRI's award-winning Christian Research Journal, just two of the benefits of membership. To discover how you can make a difference 24-7 in equipping believers at home and abroad to stand for life and truth, check out the benefits of membership at equip.org. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.